and welcome to Prairie Gardens Plant Experts Live. I'm Tamara McDaniel here at the store. Come in and join us if you can. We're at 3000 West Springfield in Champaign at the corner of Springfield and Duncan. You can also phone in at 217-356-9397 or you can text 351-5357 and talk to our experts who include Marianne Metz. Good morning, Tamara. Good morning, Marianne. Mr. John Weisgarver. Good morning, Tamara. And Steve Brown. Hello. Well, good morning. How are you? Doing very well, thank you. Beautiful morning again. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. A little on the humid side, but that's okay. It's it's August. It's I August. Accept it. It is. It's not January <laughs> or February. I accept it. <laughs> that's I, right. My my reaction yesterday when somebody said it was. Uh, hot <laughs> and humid it's like what that three letter word. it's not snow that's right, <laughs> that's right. you're right. gonna be outside in your garden still just gotta pick your battles i take that right. i take that out of my forecasts when i read them throughout the week because they're come they come to me like sunny hot and humid it's like uh, sunny and humid uh, <laughs> hive 93 <laughs> but how many beautiful evenings we've had oh it's many lovely evening, yeah. i mean absolutely gorgeous and yep. you know sometimes it's a little bit too warm to be comfortable with the windows all open but sometimes it's been okay but just even sitting out on the patio or porch in the evening and i don't know about you but i don't think the mosquitoes or some of the other pesky critters have been as much of a factor this year knock on wood i haven't had too much of that at all you You would have probably more than most Uh, and and normally i would but we are truly blessed that we don't have i wonder hardly any at all yeah how much did the drought affect Well, that? I think in a huge way, if there's not as much standing water for mm-hmm. lying, laying eggs yeah. uh, kind of stuff, but yeah. uh, for breeding yeah. grounds for them. But not, not too many standing water areas. No, and even after the generous rain that some of us had, yeah. not everybody, yeah. but some of us had uh, this week, I didn't see much standing water anywhere. Yeah, Most everything was... Sucked right, mm. sucked right down. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I always g- gauge by my neighbors have a pond, and it's low. Oh. So we haven't had, we didn't get enough rain to get it back up. Right. So. Well, and in, in further south where they've had so much rain, you know, every week, it's just so green. It's just Rub it amazing. in. Yeah, we, okay. Oh, yeah. It's crazy down there. Yep. That I-70 corridor. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, uh, people, people you talk to here at the store, they haven't had rain in their area for weeks. It all just goes around. Yeah, well, it's so spotty. We've got uh, yeah. one of our plant experts lives in the Paxton area, and they've been dry since the end of May. May. Yeah. But then yeah. you might be in Gibson City, and you might be having so much rain, it's crazy. Yep. I remember, yeah, or in Danville. It's just, again, it's pockets. But spotty. So, so I was prepared that I was going to have to start watering mature landscape yeah. plants mm-hmm. finally uh, this last week. And then just because we kept missing it and missing it and missing yeah. it. So we watered some of the mature stuff a little bit. And by mature, I'm saying five years to whatever right. long, longer. And and by mature, it starts just having a really good established root system. Yeah. Uh, the stuff that was only a couple, three, four years we've been watering uh, since then. Because it takes that long it, for them to get the roots established. It, it, yeah. yeah. Oh, and, and so, um, but now with this nice generous rain that we had. Uh, Finally. We can kick that yep. down the road a little bit. And 
Yes. I think I won't have to consider that for that another is, week or two. Of the questions I've had this last week-ish, it's mostly been about um, damage that, you know, I just I don't understand. Well, it's mostly heat and drought. Even if you're watering, it's probably, most people don't water deep enough. First that, of all, that's the they key. don't have five-gallon buckets. That's right. That's all there is to it. <laughs> Let's go to the... This, oh, I'm sorry, ahead. but there's a lot of damage like that. Um, yellowing leaves, uh, on the edges burning, that stress. kind of thing. So, absolutely, yep. stress. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. like us. <laughs> right. Let's go to the phone lines at 356-9397 and talk to Jim. Hey, good morning, Jim. Good morning. Uh, I have a, a small or dwarf crabapple tree that appears to have what... I can seem to identify from the internet as, as like rust, some kind of, uh, I don't know, hard prickly uh, thing on the back of the leaf. The leaf turns yellow, eventually dies, or maybe not. Is there anything I can do to treat now? Do I have to wait till next spring? And what do I treat with? Typically, we wouldn't bother to treat. And and do you, hence the name rust. Did you have any orangish, copper colored spots on the foliage? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's there's several diseases that can affect crab apples, and it'll vary from season to season, and even more so, it varies from variety to variety. And probably the not to diminish rust, but apple scab probably causes more defoliation than yes than the rust does. And are um, they treated similarly or not? Yeah, you, you could use the same fungicides if you wanted to. You'd have to spray them. <clears throat> um, I don't. You can't buy a dormant spray for killing fungus spores anymore. They've taken that off the market. So you really have to kind of wait till uh, you first get bud break in the spring, and you'd be spraying following according to the directions probably every couple weeks. Okay. It's not like a spray once and done. And but you'd yeah. probably find yourself spraying three or four times, oh, five I times. Think, yeah, so, yeah. I would think. Um, if you want to try and stay ahead of it, um, and then it's just a matter of is it worth it to you to do that? It won't kill the tree um, at all um, if left untreated. But another you know, important part are... of—I'm sorry, honey. Another important part of of that process is clean up in the fall or or during the season is cleaning up the leaves that have dropped on the ground. Um, the fungus can perpetuate itself on the leaves yeah. that are on the ground. So and it's um, it's a a, a fancy term, uh, which means it just shares, but it's a demicyclic, demicyclic disease. Mm-hmm. So it has an alternate host in the juniper arborvitae family with something in the apple family. Yep. And so uh, it, it could be on your tree, and it doesn't mean it's not going to be on your tree next year, but your tree is going to possibly infect things in the arborvitae or juniper family next year. <coughs> And then, then it'll swing back. Uh, so that doesn't mean yeah. you're only going to see it every other year. You could see it every year because you could have other hosts in the neighborhood that are right. on a different, a different cycle. cycle. But um, well, clean up underneath in the fall is difficult because there's there's mulch down there that uh, kind of comes with it. So it may have to remulch it all. But that that's eh. part of the deal, I guess. You know, the nice thing about a, a a tree versus a tomato, it's hard for those spores to splash necessarily back up on. But you're going to have spores lodging in the bark and on the yeah. branches and stuff. And that's why they okay. used to have a, 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 a dormant um, control that was a lime sulfur spray that smelled like mm-hmm. rotten eggs because of the sulfur. And 
and you could spray the branches and the trunk, but I think that's been off the market for five, seven, ten years, maybe. Maybe five-ish, yeah. Um, and I don't know that there's really anything to replace it. That was a good way to get a little bit of a fresh start. And uh, but All right. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate your, your help. Thank you. Well, you bet, Jim. Thank you for calling in. So let me ask you this, Marianne and John. <clears throat> if it was yours, would you or would you not? go through the spray process. <laughs> Crab apples have never been my favorite tree, ornamental tree, even though they bloom beautifully. So I used to say just cut it down. <laughs> used to? Yeah. Well, you You're know, harsh. There's, I know. <laughs> You're harsh. There's, there's reasonably effective controls, like you were explaining to Jim. And also the newer varieties are much more resistant to the, the, the fungal issues that have been plaguing them for a long time. So, you know, I'm not so harsh anymore, but um, I'm not going to put one in my yard yet. <laughs> How about you, John? What about you, John? Well, you are you, you are right. There's there's newer varieties that are more disease-resistant. Yes. But it all depends on how how uh, integral it is into the landscape. I uh, If I like the tree, and uh, I would certainly treat it. It's, if it's important to you yeah. in the landscape, you're willing to spray absolutely two to four times or whatever yeah. to try and stay ahead of it. And it's not going to just totally stop the disease necessarily, but it's no. going to minimize right. the impact. Uh, cultural things like cleanup is important, like Marianne was saying. <clears throat> Minor things uh, can add. So if you were watering that area in the yard in the spring, um, try and keep the foliage dry uh, yeah. on the tree. Just water at the base of the tree or the plants around the tree and not have a sprinkler hitting it and causing it uh, more problems. And the disease is always going to be a little bit worse in a wet spring than in a average or dry spring and we had a wet spring we sure did yeah so, so. all right yep give us a call three five six nine three nine seven if you'd like to uh, give us a question or a comment you can also text us at three five one five three five seven for prairie gardens plant experts live and back to the value of the crab apple it is arguably the most reliable flowering tree in the landscape it, year, uh, at, year after year, absolutely around never here, fails. Absolutely. So there's a whole lot to be said for that. Yes, there is. And again, Beautiful. if you can couple that with some of the newer varieties that are more disease-resistant, yep. um, I would recommend crabs to anyone I know besides Marianne. <laughs> and, you know, there are plenty of them out there that I like. In, in fact, I've tried to get bring those into prairie gardens, the ones that are more and resistant. And you have. By and large, I think Sargentii, the, the species, or Sargent crab, is, is an old one. And it's susceptible. But it's still one of the best doors. But it's oh, fabulous. Yeah, it's it's got a, I love a pink it. bud on the outside, opens up white, white. strong horizontal just, branches. Yeah. I, I love the, the, the way, like you said, hor the horizontal habit. I I, love it's that. one of my favorite I mean, crabs. the tree only gets six feet tall, but it might be eight to 10 to 12 feet wide. Yeah, it's yeah. just lovely. It's a crazy habit. So, yeah, I mean, there's exceptions And the difficult part about that, I have found from personal experience, is underplanting that tree. Oh. It's so low and so wide. Oh, Trying to work other things around it in the landscape is a challenge. You know, you, it's you're, it's shaded, so some of the blow, the items blow, so some of the conifer type of low-growing uh, evergreens just wouldn't work. And a lot of the deciduous plants, if this tree is only six feet tall, that means you probably have it limbed up to maybe 30, 36 inches at the most. And then getting something to underplant underneath it besides herbaceous perennials yeah. is a little bit of a challenge. 
But well, and we don't know for sure if he has sergeant, but if he, but uh, that one just slipped out. Yeah. They're nice trees. They are. Ish. For everyone but Marianne. <laughs> everyone but Marianne. We have a text on our text line at 3515357. My Japanese lilac was staked for several years when we first planted it, but the last couple of years it started growing crooked. Can I restake it and get it straight again? Well, for sure you can restake it. Sure. Sure. And ho Absolutely. Hopefully you'll get it straight again. Might get a nice little crooked little part in there. I call that okay. character. Okay, so yes. if, if you guys were going to stake a tree, one that's been in the ground for a few, few years, or even a new one, how would you guys recommend you stake? Using a tree stake kit. I, I make I, it sound so easy. <laughs> of course, <laughs> duh. I I know a lot of people like to use one pole close to the trunk i don't think that's a good idea oh i don't think agreed so. um i i think the uh, three stationary objects and it's going to have to be something strong if it's a, an older an older but a tree that's been in ground a few years it's going to need need to be something strong like fence posts you or have to go get some nature. iron yeah. posts yeah but you've mm -hmm. got to use something that's not going to cut into the bark when you when you wrap something around the tree so you just have to be careful that's all so, so my preferred method would be to use the steel T fence posts. Yeah. You know, so whether it's a five footer or six footer, it depends upon the, the type tree. of the tree. Yeah. So you're going to pound it down in the ground, minimum of six or eight inches, maybe even ten to twelve inches in the ground. In in using three, like Marianne suggested, and then I use wire, but then I take an old garden hose that's crapped out. Great idea. And cut it into. Yeah. 12 foot sections or whatever and run the wire through that so that you oh. have this soft pliable um, yep. cover you don't That's have great. to do that you could use something else you could use a nylon tether you could use uh, water tubing you could pantyhose uh, no no okay. no <laughs> no don't think so That's strong um, enough. and the reason i like yeah. the wire is it's not going to give um, so True. if you're tying That's it from idea. three directions yeah. and you have it in a place it's going to stay in place yep and not have that flex bending back yep. and forth. But a great so way to reuse your hose. Maybe yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like maybe a little stronger than a nylon rope. Yeah. 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 So anyway, that's how I do it. And the, probably the biggest pain in the butt about staking trees, if it's not in a bed, is trimming around the posts. Yeah. Mm. yeah. If it's in a lawn setting and they're in the grass, it's just a maintenance pain yeah it is because you have to either hand weed around the post because you can't mow right up against the post or weed it up against the post necessarily or make your mulch area larger at large the base enough of the tree. <laughs> yeah yeah and 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 that's easy to do after the fact if it's undisturbed soil i think you'll get a better bite a better yeah. strength in the post if it was disturbed soil that you dug up and prepared exactly. then i think it's going to be a little bit wonky to so that's Having it away from the tree that you planted is is good. A little. Well, I think I, you have to have it out, out. Yeah, far enough. Depending on how how big this tree is, you're going to have to go out several feet away from the trunk. I think. Yeah, Probably. and depending upon the height of the tree, you might be attaching these wires wrapped in the hose anywhere from maybe about a third of the height of the tree up to half half the height of the tree. Just depends on what seems appropriate based upon, obviously if it's a 14 foot tree, I'm not going up halfway. Yeah. But if it's a five foot tree, uh, I'm, I might be up halfway. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And and 
Would you only tie it like in one area, or would you go uh, like another up or down the trunk? No, I would. I tend to keep the branches within reason. If I have or the the hose, if if the way the branching pattern is, I might have one between these two branches, and I might have one immediately up between the next two branches. Mm -hmm. But they're they're relatively all close together. Okay. Like that. And then how long do you leave it on? I think it depends upon the circumstances. Um, if you live out in the country where you get winds all the time, you might have them on for two to four years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if you live in town, maybe a year or two is plenty. But what it does is it keeps the tree from rocking, which allows the roots to develop and not tear. Right. Um, Very important. Yeah. And Marianne mentioned something about a, a post or stake up against the tree trunk itself they they often have to do that in a a nursery container grown situation just to keep the tree upright and straight and marketable those are whips and they have no root ball per se like something you'd be putting in the ground and that's the difference Uh, you're not damaging roots you're not uh, there's a whole lot of things you're not doing when you do it at that stage in their the tree's life and and for the most part I would remove those when I plant and absolutely. put on a proper stake. Yeah, uh, absolutely. A, a couple of exceptions. The fruiting fig tree that oh, I bought yeah. this spring yeah, yeah. had one, and it's planted in a large container. Yeah. And it's it could be staked by this other method, but not too practical. Well, a container may be the better situation for leaving the stake because, yeah. the, as he was ta- Steve was talking about earlier, when you put a stake in undisturbed soil, it's much more secure than if you put it in disturbed soil. And potting soil is certainly going to be not It'll be disturbed compacted. soil. Yes. <laughs> very, very disturbed. Very disturbed. I have uh, a boxwood topiary, uh, a four-tier in a container, and I have a stake in it. Because that top tier, the 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 trunk is not as oh, heavy as sure. the rest of it. Yeah, so yeah. sometimes it sense. tends to, yeah. to lean over a little lean bit. Lean a little bit. So yeah. The leaning tower. And I've had that for uh, fifteen years. A long time. Wow. It. That's I mean, amazing. It's crazy. I don't think it's a real big deal for most of us in a practical sense, but that stake up against the tree. Uh, actually develops a response where the tree wants to grow away from that stake. Um, there's a, I don't know, phototropic response or something like that. It means it's responding to the light. Um, so it's not the best long-term solution, but in sometimes, like in John's boxwood, it has sort of this it's necessary, yeah. fruiting fig tree that I have. It's the right thing to do. It's yeah. the only thing to do. And quite often, even some of the tropical, some of the hibiscus oh, yeah. come oh, in yeah. with, with those just to keep them upright and yep. secure. So you'll see a lot of things coming out of nursery production, whether it's a hardy tree or whether it's a tender tropical that might have that stake up against the trunk. Like a beautiful orchid? Uh, yeah, that's kind of a whole nother deal. Whole but another yeah. staking, another but it kind of has yeah. a stake, right? It does have a stake. It yep. does. <laughs> and speaking of which. Isn't it beautiful? You did a good job. Yeah, it's Thank you. It so tickled me because before the show, John and Marianne and I were out in the greenhouses. And, and they're both talking. They're like, Wait, should we bring something in? Gosh, well, what would, what would it be? I, we need some color. They're off, and I walk through the, the houseplants room. And I'm just like... 
pick, 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 yes. Well, and we still have some of the succulents out there for a buck and oh, a half. Gosh. Oh, my gosh. Those are and, just gorgeous. I mean, there, were, there were string of pearls. Yeah. I think, I don't know if there's still some left or if those yeah, got I all snatched. Some. A little you? bit. A few. A dollar fifty for a string of pearls. That's crazy. Yeah. And there's like, what, another, uh, there's at least one type of Echeveria, a couple of jades. There's incredible it's, it's it's an interesting really beautiful selection it's a neat mix so, i mean there's some really interesting stuff in there yeah so a buck and a half it is and in the meantime i brought to the table some those are violets right african violets they are so that i'm is. looking at john because it's i know that was the, the plant it that got him shirt. into it it does it matches our shirts well, it's true. i loved how the one that i chose has like a, a purple on the ridges on the outside uh but on the inside, you get a lot of this beautiful white kind of shining through. Bicolor. Yeah. But, but, you know, back in the, you know, 50s and 60s, this is like the coolest plant ever, you know. I wasn't I mean, born then. Uh, <laughs> I know. You weren't born then. <laughs> That's right. But you lived through it. <laughs> lived it all. We've heard. We've heard tales. Well, you know, when I was like six years old and... My grandma says it's an African violet. It's from Africa. Yeah. You know, it's and I live out, exotic. Exotic I back live out then, in yeah. the cornfield. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so the imagination starts running. Yeah. That is nice. Yeah. Well, Can you then, imagine who hybridized that one? How tickled they had to be. Oh, my gosh. When yes. They, when they got it to do yes. that. Yeah. The so bicolor. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's just it's like orchids I, the colorations in orchids are so varied also violets and orchids both you Boy, just yes I'll, I'll bet every one of them that i can see how there's so many daylilies that are named or so many hosta or roses that are named you see something a little bit different it's like oh my gosh look at this <laughs> you know it's really exciting yeah. i'm sure but yeah orchids that's exactly the thing that caught my attention when i first walked into the, to the uh houseplants the orchids, room yeah oh the large ones Beautiful selection, such a variety of colors. And then I see the African violets, and then just past the African violets, I'm like, what is this? A uh, yellow orchid. It's a darling little mini orchid. A mini phalaenopsis. Yeah. Very cool. Beautiful. And, and again, different colors. I what chose else? a yellow. I, I, and I really hate to admit that maybe Steve was right, but there's also anthuriums in the houseplant room. And I, I purchased an anthurium last Christmas, I think it was. We had some really pretty ones. And I, it's never been without at least a half a dozen uh, spades yeah. on it. Yeah. Red. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot of color. So I, right. just, they are truly the most rewarding long I, I might have to agree with you. I just might. Flowering plant that we can grow. I'm not committed yet, but I'm on my way to being. You there. know what? And what is the name You're again? You're harsh. Anthurium. Anthurium. Oh, stop. That's, that's going to be the common theme here. Throughout harsh. The whole day. Harsh. <laughs> You're reckless. The anthurium that we typically have at Christmas and uh, Valentine's. Uh, Valentine's Day. And, you know, they're kind of a gifty thing, but they're really cool. And here it's not a gifty time of the year, but we've got them. When so it, give a gift. And they're uh, a very commonly used plant for interior scaping. Yes. So in commercial buildings. Uh, Easy care. A mall, if anybody goes to the mall, yep. I don't know. Very but, rewarding. But <laughs> they would be often underplanted uh, in beds. Yeah. Uh, just because they are so easy to care for. Well, uh, so and a, lot of, a lot of large hotels that have atrium kind of things would, yeah. would have them masked in. Sure, sure. Well, when somebody asks you, I want a blooming houseplant. Yeah. There's a short list, and that's probably the top one. It's like that perennial that blooms all year. Yeah. 
<laughs> Speaking of which, yeah. you have all, all, every perennial that we have at 40% off. Yes. Which is pretty awesome. It's and pretty I know exciting. it might be a little bit hot today to plant, but buy it. Keep it in the shade, keep it watered, and then exactly. when it's super cool this week, go out and have fun. So the biggest question this week is, is, it too, is this an okay time of year to plant? Absolutely. Just keep up with the water. That's yep. all. For sure. Mo- yeah. uh, good mulch and water. So okay, And all your deciduous flowering shrubs, including the hydrangeas. Including the hydrangeas. And the althea, which are in color now. Yeah. The Rosa Sharon, 25 off. Yep. Beautiful. Japanese maples are 25 off. Yes. Yeah, yes, sir. There's all all of the ornamental ones. trees and shade trees are 25% off. However, the fruit trees are 60% off. Six zero. There's and we still decent apples out there's there. There's just apples like crazy outside. <laughs> oh, you could be making all kinds of pies and sauce on these guys. Who are you looking at? <laughs> I must be looking through you. Okay. <laughs> I'm looking over your shoulder. Okay, this is Plant Experts Prairie Gardens live. Uh, I should our look phone at John number three five six nine three nine seven. Text three five one five three five seven. We do have a text that says, um, "We have had a scourge of tomato worms two uh, weeks apart, uh, and we just picked." them off and kill them yes and ha- yeah i know you do hang tomatoes em. hang them high hang <laughs> <up>. <laughs> yep. get that little noose around their neck yeah, right. that was my most favorite thing to do when we were kids we would or my dad would send us out to pick those he would give us a coffee can with a little bit of diesel fuel in the bottom oh gosh nice <laughs> nice <laughs> look at him he's just beaming how, how large are those well, they can get pretty good size. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Because I must say, I, I was you know, pulling weeds this past week, and it was I lo- this biggest, fattest, green, horny-looking caterpillar that was probably came it. out of the weeds, and I'm just like, and It's come to attack you. Yeah, I looked it up, and it said, you know, green caterpillar. Yeah, some kind of a moth. It's a, it's a green caterpillar. <laughs> there were all these different moths it could have been. <laughs> It's uh, tomato worms but, are just—they're just icky. Yeah, I know, and they'll—they'll they'll devastate a tomato plant like in in minutes. It seems like, but pretty quickly. And usually, just don't find one. Oh, oh no! no. Uh, oh. You might think you found one, and you got it taken care of, and then you look for a few more minutes from a different yeah. angle. Uh, look at some branches that have been more stripped. Ah. And look around those branches or near those branches because that's where they've been. Yep. And sometimes there's all that black excrement around. Ew. That, I know, icky. Really? Well, yeah. We yeah. eat 24 hours a day. We're going to have to <laughs> expel some. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I would hope that yeah. it'd be small enough. I really wouldn't have to think about it, though. You do. Well, it's like <laughs> cabbage or any other produce that you harvest that has worms eating it. You know you've got to clean them up. you got to get them. And picking them off is probably the most reliable way of getting them. Oh, yeah. I, I just would well, bother it's a, it's with It's immediate. Yeah. You get it taken yeah. care of. You yeah. just have to look closely and, and maybe double check your work another time. Yeah. You know, later that day or the next day or just next to make sure you don't, yes. that didn't miss it. This poor person, though, every two weeks. That's not fun. I know. Yeah, I would. As, it's not going to persist like that. I would think if they did a good job Scouting each yeah. of those couple of weeks, they probably are through the wood, out of the woods with that. But maybe okay. keep your eyes on it. I certainly would. It's just a matter of 
of watching it. You know, that was the, the advantage of having tomatoes in uh, containers on my deck or mm. on the patio because you could see the excrement on the ground. I'd just get a broom and sweep it away. And then, you know, if there was some there the next day, I know I have to look harder there wow. again. But, you know, if they're in the garden... It's not so easy to see that part of it, yeah. but you just have to look at the branches. I mean, you'll you'll be walking around your tomato plants, and all of a sudden, there's just like the stem with just stubs on it oh. everywhere. They're just, they're just gone. Yeah. And just because you have them one year doesn't mean you're going to have them the next. No, that's it's exactly not like right. some other problems yeah. where you, it's going to be a perpetual challenge for yep. you. Yeah. Where do they lay their eggs? I honestly don't know. I don't either. Okay. Maybe somebody does. Hey, that's a good uh, thing to research. Another part of the scouting, Art. wouldn't it be? Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. Are you still having, and are you having a lot of people come in asking or having problems with bagworms? I haven't had anybody talk about bagworms yet. Really? Yeah. And I've been scouting at home, and I haven't noticed I haven't any. Seen any. Yeah, I haven't had any. Uh, I've had, not this week, but a couple of weeks ago, but not really anything to speak of. Well, to be sure, they're not gone, but... You know, I, I haven't seen any. It's like Japanese beetles, though. The, it's cyclical. You know, well, some years. Two years ago, it was just oh. crazy. Yeah, it was it they were on things I've never seen them on yeah. before. Yeah. I'm sorry. Hang, hang, you know, just clustered on anything, mm. Japanese beetles. But not so much this year. I mean, there'll be pockets of them that are intense. But, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, comes and goes. And I'm sure bagworms do, too. I just don't remember any years that were this, were this, we're into August and, Oh, nobody's complaining about them. I haven't seen any on my evergreens, and I've been watching. So, so they are. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want them eating my evergreens. No way. Just don't. Yeah. So, five-gallon bucket man, have you been doing a lot of that this past week? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just carrying it around. I've, I've gotten so many hoses now, and then I just have, I can... You know, I run them out, and then I can fill my buckets, and I don't have to carry it so far. Yay. That's great. Enough for each area. Yeah. Are you fertilizing much at all, either of you, in your containers or otherwise? Containers, I I like to use a slow release because I forget to mix fertilizer. But once I actually did, I've done uh, soil or water soluble twice now, even though I've got a slow release in it so in my containers what about you john that's what i do the slow release mm-hmm. i've just been using because I, d- I don't have a lot of um blooming annuals i have more tropical things gotcha yeah foliage foliage yay yeah i i've been following your advice and and feeding at at least well, about twice a week probably oh, good for you. my my annuals and and a few of my perennials, like my um, surprise lilies, came up, and uh, something else. I have to ask you what they are, <laughs> but yeah, watering and feeding. And boy, you were right. Blooms are finally coming out, and and uh, and it just makes me very happy. Yay! And it's amazing that's just cool. what feed regular feeding. I think maybe yeah. that's the key. Yeah. yeah, and I think um, you know things that are planted in the ground. And Marianne always likes to suggest side dressing with compost, um, uh, top dressing with compost, however you want to call it. But uh, feeding with a slow-release fertilizer like that. So if, it, if a plant's been planted uh, and had a lot of compost incorporated 
into the soil at the time it's planting. They're doing a little top dressing. Um, the needs to feed uh, in other methods aren't as great. And the, probably the best time to feed most deciduous plants, if you want to buy a fertilizer off the shelf, is actually in the fall. So if you were to wait till we've had a hard frost or even a freeze and feed them then, then they could absorb all the nutrients and, and get off to a great start then that next spring. Yep. I, in fact, I was just going to say I'm, I'm getting my compost together, so or my bags. I always have, have a bag of manure around, you know. Yeah. So I can take it out and start talking. Make some tea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I dab a little behind the ears. It's kind of like cooking, yeah. almost. Isn't yeah, it? almost. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. Um, it, you get my wagon out, drag it around, and put it on things that um, I know are starting to uh, set their buzz for next year. So it helps. It helps. All of it helps. That is a good idea, though, making tea. Yeah, compost tea is a great thing. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know if you just were just don't get it confused. Don't put it in the fridge. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, just put it in a good sunny spot, and it'll do its thing, and you'll have a, a great solution to gently feed container plants or established plants yep. with that. Um, so it, what I like to do this time of year is I like to tidy up the, take off the hosta blooms and oh, yeah. the daylilies. Because once they bloom and then they start to get brown, the plant kind of wants to, I'm done for the year. So I like to keep the foliage fresh, keeping it going as long as I can. Really? I whack mine back to the ground. Really? (laughs) She just takes it all, huh? Yep. The daylilies, I'm sorry, they just look terrible this time of year. So I just whack them back. And the silly things flush out again. Of course they do. And so it's fresh foliage. So it looks nice. But it's like... If you're not going to look nice all year long, no, I, you're not going to be I there. could see taking that <laughs> approach to a daylily. Yeah. Just yeah. move on. Would you do that to many other flowers, though? She no, might. Not many. Not so many. I, I can't think of any others that I just do that to. But There's not, yeah. as, there's not a, a long list of things that would respond as favorably. That's exactly right. <laughs> you no, have to choose your battles. So you just showed us, Tamara just showed us a picture of her surprise lilies. That kind of pinkish, light lavender flower, mostly pink. Just, they're really lovely, and I've seen them everywhere. In a bed with, with lavender flocks, tall flocks. Thank you. It's Thank a, you for wow. that ID. So it yeah. was, I mean, that's really exactly. a beautiful, beautiful combination. I can see how it would be flocks now, only just in the flower itself. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I'm not, I guess I'm used to creeping flocks. Uh, okay, oh. and and to even think that it would, because this is flocks. like what three feet tall? Oh yeah, or so two oh, to three easy. feet tall. Some of the garden flocks are maybe even taller than that, and, and this is when they bloom. This is when they're showing off. It, they're beautiful. So, it it's is. a it's they a great are. garden uh, a compliment to the garden, really. Yeah. So what a nice thing to look out in your backyard. I hope you have a window that you can look out at it all the time. Mm-hmm. No. We have a window. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and I put my chair there. Okay, even though it's like. In a very odd place. <laughs> Do they have a fragrance? Sometimes they're they're a little bit. The fragrant. flocks, yes. yeah, the yeah. flocks are fragrant. They smell yeah. yes, beautiful. Yeah. Are yep. there any perennials that you guys have enjoyed the most this season so far? Uh, my I, iris were kind of underwhelming. Underwhelming? Yeah, this I, year. I got to say, this spring my peonies were really show offs. Oh yeah. Okay. So I I really did enjoy those. And there, there's Ours another too. perennial, and I've been trying to remember the name of it for about three weeks now, that I really, really, really liked. Did you ask your husband? 
I, you know, I didn't think about that. Wow. <laughs> Wonder why. <laughs> uh, okay, let me count the ways. Because he was busy in the kitchen. I, I would <laughs> say the uh, Asclepius tuberosa has been my favorite again this summer. Really? Really, yeah. Just so long-lasting, so gorgeous. Nice. Just outstanding. It's the orange flowering one. Butterfly weed. Oh, okay. Yeah, the cool. orange, I can see. Well, sure, with the so dryness, many colors yeah. out there, too, yeah. that are just gorgeous yeah. still. The yeah. deep purples. and Yeah, we have a lot of colors still. One butterfly bush in particular, and I hate the name, but it's uh, a beautiful blooming. It's a just a hot pink magenta color. Oh, that's very yeah. showy. Yeah. Those flowerscapes last for a long time. Yeah, they Forever. do. Forever. Yeah. And we have butterfly bushes here right now in full bloom. Yep. Yeah. And they are forty percent off. Ta-da! Yeah. Wow. Yeah, okay. that's nice. Oh my gosh! And the butterflies are just all over them. That's over great. Them. Well, and I don't know if you heard recently, <coughs> they put the monarch butterfly on the endangered species list. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the report that I had heard was uh, a large factor of it is just the lack of milkweed because of all of the um, urbanization. Well, that's not because we haven't had it. <laughs> we've had we've had milkweed almost all season in Sclepias, uh, like Steve was saying, the tuberosa, the orange one, right. and uh, the incarnata, and we had the the tropical one. I can't remember the species, but um, the, all of them are fabulous. Yeah. But yeah, just plant them. So I think Steve, do you have yours in like really sharp drainage or any peculiar soil? Mm, it's pretty indigenous, and it's a fairly heavy. Heavy soil, a little bit clay timber, and um, there's enough slope that it's not a low area at all. Yeah. <clears throat> but other than that, I can't say that it's particularly good. I think Asclepius doesn't like really good soil. I don't think so either. Oh, I, so if you have icky soil, it should do just yeah. fine. See, she's picked up the terminology really well. <laughs> Thank <Yeah>. you. <laughs> Yeah, icky soil. Well, and maybe rocky, and I, I don't know. It's, it seems like it, they, it responds better to not being really wet all the time. Yeah. So something that drains well-ish. And especially when you see the native ones, they just, like, pop up in the the worst spots. Yeah. Yeah. I've got Is so much of the incarnata. That in it's your a, meadow? It's just a joke. <laughs> I mean, it's Yay, Steve. everywhere, and... Yay. And you know, then it pops up where you don't want it to, and in a flower bed or in the garden or whatever it might How's be. How's your meadow looking? Is it, it coming on good this year? It's doing okay. I mean, it's not been cultivated to to do much. I mean, it's what it is is what it is. So, yeah. unfortunately, the Queen Anne's lace looks gorgeous. Yeah. Because there's uh, tons of that. See? But there's the Asclepius has been doing well, and then there's some ironweed coming on, and nice. the, the native Coryopsis hasn't started to show color yet but sure. that'll come on in the next couple three weeks i'd sure. say um so yeah there's been some black-eyed susans that have naturally uh, colonized Sprung and up. grown nice. um, did you throw any uh, cosmos in there this I, year i did not um we have some tithonia that we planted late not planted late but it's in the pasture versus in the garden and so it's late in doing its thing but uh, no cosmos. Nice. Sure. I like that look. At, there's a place for it. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I, I went to my friend Mike's um, natural garden 
uh, a couple of days ago, and it, it was it was just like your meadow. It's it's a it's a prairie garden, but it's on a, a large berm, and it, there's so much color in it. It's just crazy. Oh, neat! So it's all native prairie plants. It's great. Beautiful. But there's a place for that. It's not not for every yard. Yeah. But it works. Gotcha. The grass Absolutely. that has been damaged is has it just gone dormant? Is it dead? How do I know? Like after all of this rain, well, of what we got, <laughs> uh, I still have a few brown spots, and I'm wondering. Hmm. My guess is it's probably dormant, but I guess if I really, really, really wanted to find out, I would either water regularly once a week um, for two or three more weeks and see if I see a change. Uh, or I would consider digging down just gently and seeing if the roots seem vibrant and the crowns are alive. And, oh, okay. Um, I could do that, but um, that doesn't sound like fun. No, it doesn't. Um, no. Um, so one of those couple ways, I guess, I would find out. Or just okay. sit back and chill and wait and see. Yeah. yeah. We, we were talking earlier about the uh, evenings cooling off, and we had a, a stretch where it wasn't cooling off at night, which put a lot of plants into stress. Um, but bluegrasses typically go dormant if they're not watered here in the summertime. Okay. And so you see a lot of that, the browning in, in your yards typically are about that. Okay. Uh, unless you water on a regular basis. And if you don't, probably in September, wouldn't you say, we'll, we'll have a, a, a really regular cooling off in the evening process. And Hopefully another nice yeah, I think I think the key is if <clears throat> if you have a true drought situation, if you, it's one thing for the plants to go dormant, but if it's a true drought that would persist for a month or six yeah. weeks or whatever, you're going to have to give it some watering if you don't want sections of it to die out. To just die. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But then if you do water, you want to be a little bit consistent with it. You don't want to let, yeah. you don't want a plant to go into dormancy and then water intensely for two or three weeks and bring it alive and then quit watering and let it go but dormant again. Exactly. You want to. Yeah, that's really a stressful situation. Right. It's true of any perennial. We may or may not have time for this. I have some peonies that were my great-grandma's. I am moving them this weekend, uh, but it's August is the month to do this, correct? I cut them back just a bit, uh, not so much, and hopefully they'll be okay. What do you think? Any thoughts? I think it's uh, we're coming right on the time for to move peonies, move and or divide them. It's a little bit early, but no, they've already set their buds for next year, um, so it'll be easy to see where the growth eyes are. Oh, good. And the the critical thing is don't plant them too deep when you replant them. Oh. Get any of the if you see any deterioration, remove that. You know, like fungal issues and stuff. So before you dig them, if you scoop back some of the soil and yeah. mulch, see how deep they really were. Yeah. And then make sure when you replant, like Mary Ann said, because if you plant them too deep, you'll have no flowers. That's wow. exactly right. That's a good way to make them not flower. I would not have thought of that. Yep. Good advice. Knew, right? Great. Good to know. Thank you. And there's the music, folks. Uh, last minute specials you want to yell out? 60% well, off fruit trees. Yeah, 60% off fruit trees, 25% off flowering shrubs, 40% off butterfly bush, 25% off Japanese maples. Got some great houseplant succulents for a buck and a half. All of the Love perennials that. are 40% off. All, every oh. herbaceous perennial, 40 off. So, All right, thanks. Uh, yeah, 
I'd buy a hydrangea or an althea right now at 25 off. Absolutely. Without hesitation. You've been listening to Prairie Gardens Plant Experts Live with a thanks to Marianne Metz, John Weisgarber, and Steve Brown. I'm Tamara McDaniel. Our executive producer today was Mr. Ed Bond. Thank you, Ed. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening. Additional greenhouse savings are going on now at Prairie Gardens. Take 40% off all perennials with fresh new shipments in bud and bloom for your summer garden. All 40% off. And save 40% off all ornamental grasses. Plus, all flowering shrubs are 25% off. Shop beautiful butterfly bushes, hydrangeas, and more. Entire stock, 25% off. Hurry in for these summer PG greenhouse savings and more right now at Prairie Gardens. Locally owned plant experts, extraordinary gardening, home decor, and more.